it's Greg Grunberg, uh, Snap Wexley from Heroes, and Commander Finnegan of Yorktown from a uh, little thing called Star Trek. And you are kneeling before the pod. With me. Kneel Before Blog presents... Kneel Before Pod. Hello and welcome to another force-filled edition of Neil Before Pod, the podcast that isn't a trap, unless you really want it to be. I'm your host Craig and I'm here to mark that time of year where nerds everywhere celebrate Star Wars. Next up in our annual pilgrimage to the Star Wars universe is the final film in the original trilogy, Return of the Jedi. Happy May the 4th to you all. He is the last of the summer wine, I guess. Isaac. Uh, hello. And Angus. Good evening in Ewok. Good evening in Ewok. Ah yes, those guys. Before we get to that, we will move to our soon-to-be award-winning feature, Kneel Before Rise Against. So, Isaac, you go first. What are you kneeling before on this edition? So I'm going to kneel before uh, the new Hobson Shaw trailer. Uh, Bearing in mind that I can't actually remember it, but I do remember it was very fun. I suppose it's kind of like it's Mad Max, like, you know, Fury Road, there's a bit where there's like a lot of trucks tangled together, there's a lot of family involved, it, it does give away a lot of the story, because it's like, oh, we're going to go visit the Rock family, there's some fun stuff, actually, I, trying to, I should really watch the trailer again, I remember, I remember really enjoying it, I remember the bit, there's like a bit in a hole, but, like, yeah, when I got to talk about it, I forgot, I can't remember much of it. I do remember it was very cool. Uh, but then I was quite sold on the first trailer, and just Fast and Furious in general. And the Hobbs and Shaw are like, well, especially in Fast well, 8 and then a little bit in 7, they are like the best characters, especially uh, the like the rescuing Dom Toretto's baby in Fast 8. Uh, that's a lot of fun. The Rock is always fun and everything. Uh, and then I was like, essentially it's boiled down to like, these are your two favourite characters, and now I'm going to Snake them versus Idris Elba. There's no... You don't need to have a trailer, just just say that. It's like the two best people for Fast and Furious versus Idris Elba, but now he has superpowers. <laughs> so I'm well I'm well invested. I'm really looking forward to this. So that's my yeah, that's my big thing of the week, or, the big, or however long it is between podcasts. That's my big thing. Sounds like the trailer has done exactly what it needed to do to you. You know, it just made you want to see it without really remembering why. Yeah, it's great. Like it was all spoilery, but now I'm a spoiler freak because I've forgotten everything. It's <laughs> <laughs> the best way to be. Yeah, um, I rem- I probably have little less memory for this trailer than you did, but yeah, I think it looks all right. Um, Angus, you won't know this, but I, I've recently seen all of the Fast and Furious films. In one marathon session? Well, almost. Um, not not quite, over the space of a few weeks. But um, okay. I actually only enjoyed two of them. Uh, seven and eight are the only two that I actually liked. I thought the rest were garbage. So, oh, what about six and five? Yeah, I didn't like them. Oh. 
so this one, I guess, I think I've said in a previous podcast, they seem to be answering criticisms of the, um, or certainly comments that people make about the previous ones. You know, they're basically superheroes um, because you have these kind of two monstrously muscly men beating on each other or hitting each other's spanners and stuff. And now they're actually superpowers in the franchise. Next, they'll be drag racing on Mars. That'll be what's next. That's my prediction. And I look forward to it. <laughs> Are you amped for Hobson Shaw? Yeah, I, I, I um, had heard about it, but didn't catch the trailer, you know, uh, straight away. But then remembered one morning, and so thought, oh, yes, I'm watching this. First trailer I saw was brilliant, and then uh, saw another trailer for it ahead of Endgame, and yeah, big smile on my face, and I was thinking, yes, can't wait to be entertained by this madness. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Angus, move on. What's your Neil Before? My Neil Before is for the trailer for the new Deadwood movie. I really enjoyed um, the TV show and kind of caught it well after it had been on, on air. Uh, watched all the DVDs. And yeah, I was just disappointed that it was cancelled. Didn't really have a proper ending. And then, you know, for years and years, people were kind of campaigning or uh, talking about how cool it would be to, to finish it all off with a movie. And I hadn't even heard that such a thing was happening until earlier today. And uh, heard, read it online, immediately went to see the trailer. And yeah, I'm in. Uh, I want to see more of uh, Deadwood, more Al Swearingen and uh, the rest of the gang. It looks as if most of the cast from the TV show are back for the movie. And I'm hoping that they get a really good, cool send up. Is this a theatrical run or is it a TV movie? <laughs> I think it's a TV movie. I think it's going to be shown on HBO, so I will have to uh, find some legal way of watching it. <laughs> Indeed. All about the legalities. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, I've never seen Deadwood, so I don't really have any further comment on this one. <laughs> well, my last meal before was for Red Dead Redemption 2, so I'm definitely in the, a cowboy frame of mind right now, so yeah, I'm up for it. All about the westerns. Yep. What about the Hateful Eight as a four-part thing on Netflix? See, I haven't even heard about that. <laughs> um, I only heard about that yesterday, but I don't know much more about it, other than I think they'll just split it into four parts. Which, you know, can't you just pause it? I mean, it's on Netflix already. Just pause it if you're, like, bored. So what, it's the same thing, but split? I don't know. Uh, I will research that and put it in the show notes, and then see what happens. And I yeah. will read those. <laughs> Um, Isaac, opinion on Deadwood? Uh, I've never heard of it. <laughs> there we go. That's a niche kneel before then. <laughs> uh, my one, I'm going to kneel before this new Joss Whedon series that's possibly going to get made called The Nivers. Um, it's described as, and I quote, an epic science fiction drama about a gang of Victorian women who find themselves with unusual abilities, relentless enemies, and a mission that might change the world. So it's kind of like Victorian era Buffy by the sounds of things, which I'm on board for. Um, they've recently cast Laura Donnelly, who was really good in Outlander as the lead. So, yeah, I'm interested to see how that kind of pans out. It's been a while since we've had a Joss Whedon produced TV show, so um, it be nice to see him get back to his roots, uh, hopefully in a show that doesn't get cancelled after 
a short run of episodes for a change. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited about that. Why do all the shows end up getting cancelled? Uh, I think he just works with the wrong people. Yeah. Or, or sells them at the wrong people, but his real estate's probably quite high in Hollywood at the moment, so as long as the show is good, I have every confidence that it might stick around. But yeah, and I'll be watching it. Alien Resurrection didn't put you off that? Well, everyone makes mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> it's fair enough. Yeah. Alien Resurrection. Joss Whedon's one mistake. Except from the other ones uh, that we won't go into. Uh, anyone else heard of this? Just me? I think so, yeah. It's even more niche than mine. <laughs> yeah, well, yours has a following of sorts. Mine has nothing because it doesn't exist yet. <laughs> it, may, it may yet not exist. I don't know. But the. Yeah, it's, it's got some guy from Game of Thrones overseeing the production. Bernie Caulfield. I'm guessing that's exciting to some people. Sounds legit. Yeah, he's got some Buffy writers on board, which is good. Buffy was well written, therefore. Every, all these ingredients should add up to a pretty tasty cake, we hope. I look forward to hearing about it. Yeah. Right, on to Rise Against. Isaac. I'm going to Rise Against the uh, recent Jinx Bond, uh, Bond 25 sort of press release thingy, which said nothing and has announced absolutely zero that's new or interesting. But so Rami like Malik's a, in it. Yeah, we already knew that Rami Malik was in it, and they decided on the same day that Endgame was out, they're like, we're going to do a big press release. And they didn't announce... Oh, so they're like, here's some of the cast doing it. Like, we already knew about Rami Malik, uh, and then the other ones were kind of ones like, we don't have names for them, so it doesn't matter. It's like, he's playing someone, you'll find out eventually, and like he's playing also someone, eventually you'll find out, but not at the moment. We have no title for it. It it literally announced it did nothing. It was it didn't achieve anything. It, and I was kind of excited because I do like James Bond films. I was like, oh, well, quite. You know, it'd be nice to find out what's happening with this movie. So there was a recent thing about um, Phoebe Waller Bridge is doing some writing, which I was very happy about. It turns out she's apparently right rewritten far more of it than they originally wanted, which is even better. Uh, they just let us sort of go wild with it. But yeah, I was hoping that there'd be a bit of information. But all we know is like. It's still just Bond 25. James Bond's going to be in it. And, like, it was just a bit of a, like, just keeping you updated. And it was sort of like, it was like a big, like, oh, keep your eyes out. Like, we're going to have this big event, this big press event. And it was like, I was, I was like, oh, cool, James Bond. Like, that'll be fun. And, like, yeah, nothing happened. It was just a, like, just a big nothing. <laughs> so that's my rise again. So just sort of the, they amp me up to hear something about something and provided absolutely zero information. So it's a bit, if yeah, if you want to waste your time with the press release, watch the most recent James Bond one. <laughs> These events are always weird because obviously everything's kind of shrouded in secrecy at this early stage. So what you get is you get a bunch of people who are maybe involved with the film sitting around answering questions, but they can't actually answer them. So they're just sitting around being like, yeah, I can't tell you. Good question, though. And then, at least with the Star Wars one, we walked away with a teaser, we walked away with um, the title, but 
and there was all a bunch of other stuff that was getting talked about, such as TV shows and whatever. But yeah, this is like, you're what are you having a press conference about? You're just sitting around to remind us that we're making a James Bond film, which we just kind of already knew. Trying to stay relevant. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you're going to do these things, just tell us something at least. I mean, I'm not that interested at this point. I never really am with Bond until it kind of comes out, and then maybe I'll be interested, depending on how good the film is. But um, yeah, if you're if you're looking to capture me, then yeah, it's not done it. Angus, any thoughts on this non-announcement? It passed me by, and it's probably just as well that it did, because it sounds like it was a total non-announcement. Um, I, of course, will be interested in the new Bond film, but I, yeah, I'm totally not hanging on for any news or updates or anything. As uh, kind of as you said, Craig, um, you know, when it comes out, I will watch it and I'll hopefully enjoy it. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, um, again, I'm not really hanging on the line for <laughs> for any news or updates of it. Me neither. Yeah. So, what's your rise against? Mine is to rise against special editions, which is kind of due to my uh, preparation for this podcast, where I watched the comparison of uh, the original Return of the Jedi versus <laughs> all of the updates over the years, and I just kept cringing and thinking, oh, no, why? Why did they do this? Um, and I suppose, you know, also coloured by our recent... Um, escapades into the alien verse you know for a couple of times we've had to consider do we watch the the theatrical cut or the um special edition or director's cut and the answer is usually no 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 just just go for the theatrical because uh why why would you want to subject yourself to the uh rantings and musings of some auteur director uh yeah so aliens that's um the director's cut is the more the better cut. Yeah, I know. They're not always bad. They're not always bad. But um, I think most people would agree that in um, in terms of Star Wars, special editions or um, you know adding in special effects for the sake of it doesn't usually work out very well. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's my rise against. I don't really have an issue with doing a special edition. Like, that's up to the filmmaker if they want to play around with their own film. I do have an issue with making the... Uh, editions unavailable so yeah when the only version of return of the jedi i can legally watch is the um is the crappy version then that's i don't think that's fair i think i should be able to pick what which one of the four or five versions i want to watch um because well why can't i like well, who's so george lucas to say which one i like best is the most recent one you've watched the special edition no, because I have the fan-created despecialized editions, <laughs> uh, which are amazing. Uh, they recreate, lovingly recreate the um, the original theatrical cuts of all the films in 720p by piecing together different sources. It's, I'm sure I mention this in every Star Wars podcast, but it's really impressive stuff. And um, totally legal. Well, I mean, the thing is... <laughs> What they say is, if you're going to download these, then you know it's on you to make sure that you own the film in some other way. So I've owned those films over the years in several ways. So I'm I'm fine, I think. Yeah, you're off the hook. Yeah, I'm just not going to buy the Blu-ray until now that Disney own Fox, they can possibly piece together 1080p cuts or 4K cuts of the original theatrical editions, and then they can release a big set with all the special editions on it that I'll never watch. 
That'd be that'd be nice. That will be nice. Yeah. Isaac, what do you think of the special edition concept? I don't know, because I've not seen too many. They do used to happen a bit with Doctor Who DVDs. You could watch it again with, like, you know, new special effects. But they were never very well-budgeted. So, like, they never really looked... You might as well just, you know, look at the old sort of... The old models instead of, like, this slightly okay sort of CGI go at the spaceships and stuff. Uh, I think we'll we'll get to more in the Star Wars one, but there's... I quite like some of the additions that they've added in, just because they just, they just make more sense, some of them. But we'll talk about that later, I suppose. Uh, in general, it's it's a money-making thing, isn't it? Like, say, now you can buy the normal edition, or you can buy like, the one that's got extra things in. So, you know, they love they love when they like, you know, you, can, you buy the DVD, then next year they release it again, but with extra things. It's always a... Truly the charm of watching an old movie is enjoying the, the the old school special effects that kind of take you back to. I think one of the, the best examples of special editioning is the original Star Trek series. So when they were kind of bringing them out on Blu-ray, what they did was they remastered the visual effects from the ground up. So you have CGI models of the Enterprise, of the Klingon ships, of whatever's on screen, CGI models of all these things. And they've spliced them in seamlessly. But if you have the Blu-ray... You can literally press the angle button and you can cut back and forth between the original episode and the the special edition version. Um, I always watch the special edition version in those cases because they're in HD and the effects are lovingly created. But again, I have the option. I can do what I want. Mm-hmm. So that's all I ever want. Just give me the you know, give me the choice. Don't don't take choice away from me. Yeah, with the Doctor Who ones, it tends to be more ones. Uh, it's when the episode was like the tape was destroyed, so it's like I'll oh, re-release one, and like we'll have a go at sort of making like an animated version of what that episode would have looked like, sort of thing. So I think like those sort of cases are quite good because it's quite charming. But then there are some cases like where it's a bit just you know it's not really necessary. That's cynical. Yeah, I think the yeah, the Return of the Jedi ones there's. A, a nice mix of needless, like <laughs> needless, over-the-top ones, and then some that actually makes sense. But yeah, so that'll be fun to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My rise against is going to be the Gotham finale. Um, any listener to this podcast that's listened to me talk about Gotham will know that I stopped watching it years ago. But curiosity got the better of me, and I wanted to watch the last episode, the last two episodes actually, which had an, which had a version of Bane with a worse voice than Tom Hardy's if you can believe that. Ridiculous. But uh, the final episode plays out like the pilot to a Batman TV series that I just don't want to watch. It's really bad. Uh, basically, it all builds up to this two-second shot of Batman at the end in a costume that looks like, looks like crap. So, yeah, Gotham ends as it continued, I guess. Disappointingly. Any thoughts on Gotham, Angus? Have watched it? I have never seen an episode, I'm afraid. So I'm unable to comment. Isaac, what do you think? Well, I was going to both Neil Before and Rise Against the Finale of Gotham. Because not only... Yeah, it's really boring. Like, the fin- like there's... It was a... It wasn't very good. Like, it was very much... There was a... A weird... A weird joker plot to do something... In this non... That was not explained. And... 
I suppose that's, I don't know if that's a spoiler or not, but who cares? Uh, <laughs> it wasn't, yeah, it was, it was sort of really half-hearted. However, Gotham's version of the Penguin and the Riddler are by far my favourite versions. Like, after this, they have, like, a weird double act going on, and it is incredibly fun and likeable. They're just having, like, a sort of pantomime-style villain great time. It's, it's super entertaining, especially since there's... Oh, so spoilers for Gotham, I guess, that the finale set 10 years after the episode before it, which is even greater because none of the, the, all the characters look exactly the same. <laughs> but it's like... Except Catwoman. No, except for Catwoman. But like these sort of... The Penguin of the Riddler decides to team up and become this unstoppable criminal empire, and then like in the next episode we find out they get arrested almost immediately. It's It's super fun. They're just pantomime... Adam West versions of the villains, and I could I could watch a show just of those two, just endlessly. So it's kind of like the episode itself and the actual plot of the episode was not entertaining. However, I might have to go back and watch uh, specifically Penguin and Riddler episodes just for the pure joy that is like those versions. Especially the finale versions also get like incredibly Adam Westy sort of uh, costumes like the Penguin's got like a sort of pink tuxedo and the Riddler's got all these like question mark suits and I don't know yeah those two kind of, like what we need is essentially Hobson Shaw but Riddler and Penguin from the Gotham universe <laughs> I mean what you could just do is watch your top 10 Riddler and Penguin moments on YouTube and then you don't have to worry about I could do that but I want more than ten. I want all the Riddler and Penguin moments. <laughs> that might exist as a supercut. It might exist as a supercut, but I'll have to search it out. Yeah. Oh, that's that. Uh, let's move on past our Neil Before Rise Again section. Well done, everybody. We got some stuff in there. <laughs> so, on to our main topic, where celebrating Star Wars Day by talking about Return of the Jedi, which is the one we're up to in our run through the Star Wars movies. Prequels next year. That's exciting. Uh, so before we start, even though the film is like quite old, we will give our thoughts without spoilers. So, Angus, what did you think without going into spoiler territory? I think... Um memories of watching this as a kid loved it because it, I think everyone knows it's kind of the most kid friendly of the original trilogy uh, lots of fun lots of um, interesting new characters um, and visuals uh, and then I think perhaps watching it when you're a bit older you begin to realise why it's not kind of as critically acclaimed as, as the first two Um but I don't know. I was thinking about this today. I was wondering, you know, if, if it wasn't um, coloured so heavily by nostalgia, would people enjoy this film as much? You know, if it came out today and it wasn't related to this, the baggage of the saga and everything else that goes with it, what would people think of it? And I don't know if it would be all that well received, which is probably sacrilege to say, but it doesn't take away from the fact that I still love it and, you know, I'll watch it and enjoy um, every minute of it, I think, even though there's you know, a lot of uh, 
a lot of questionable things that maybe people who were watching it back then would have thought, is this Star Wars? The kids loved it. Maybe some of the adults who'd grown up and became a bit too mature for it had aged out of it by then. But, um, yeah, I think everyone kind of looks back on it fondly. Yeah. Isaac, what do you think? Uh, well, the original Star Wars films aren't, like, they're probably my, like, that trilogy is probably my least favourite of the trilogies because my least, the one I've watched the least and know the least about. But I reckon this is probably the best of the three films of the old Star Wars films. I think, like, I quite like the... Like, we get more of the Emperor, who's a lot of fun. Oh, it's not supposed to... Yeah, it's not supposed to be free. The Emperor's in it. It's quite a fun sort of location. We get some nice, you know, action stuff, and it's probably the best of the lightsaber fights. So I think, yeah, of the old one, of the old trilogy, this is probably the best one, I think. For me, it's my least favourite of the of the original trilogy. I think that it's made up of different... I'm just going to say slices... You know, there, there's different things that make up this film. And I enjoy kind of two of the slices when the others, not so much. I think that um, tonally it's all over the place. They introduce some stuff that's really baffling. There's some great stuff in it, some like franchise best stuff in it actually, but uh, it's kind of tempered by the fact that there's just utter nonsense kicking about in other scenes. <laughs> so... That's why it's my least favourite of the three. I think Empire Strikes Back is, as we probably said last year, the most complex, the most interesting, the most surprising. Uh, A New Hope is a fun romp that introduces us to this franchise um, that kind of has retroactive weight added to it because of what came after. Whereas this one, it's... I'm not sure what they were playing at. I'm not sure what Lucas was playing at when he concocted this. Um, I think a lot of people call that the start of the downfall that continued in the prequels, but we'll get on to that, I suppose. Um, so that's me, spoiler free. Um, shall we head into the spoiler dungeon, the Rancor spoiler dungeon? Let's do it. All fighters accounted for. Proceed with the countdown. All groups assume attack coordinates. Oh crap! Prepare to jump into hyperspace on my mark. All right, stand by. Right, now we can say what we want. Uh, I'm going to start off with question and answer. We have one question from an audience member. So, uh, Jordan asks... Do you think Luke Skywalker is necessary to the plot, or would it have played out much the same way had he not been involved? Would Palpatine still have died? I've often thought about this, because the Emperor vastly misjudges the situation. He seems to think that the Rebels will fail, but they blow up the um, the, the shield generator, which has nothing to do with what the Emperor or Luke Skywalker are doing. It's just you know Han and his team and their ingenuity managed to get the job done, so... The Death Star's coming down, no matter what. I think the Emperor may have escaped had he not been distracted by trying to corrupt Luke. But other than that, yeah, the Death Star's coming down. Either way. It's like the Indiana Jones problem. He has absolutely no bearing on the plot of his own film. That's what I was going to say. I think it's maybe... There's probably quite a few examples of this where you know people are a bit too taken with the hero or 
you know, who's presented as the hero um, when they might not actually have all that much effect on the outcome. But because they're the hero, you know, I'm still invested in, in what he's doing. And, you know, we followed him all the way from moisture farming on Tatooine. So uh, I think he's pretty essential. One of my favorite characters. I would say he's essential on an, an emotional level because he has things that he needs to resolve that have been set up. Yeah. When it comes to the whole tapestry of the actual plot itself, as in the we need to blow up this new Death Star. Uh, I, I do wonder how they know that Luke was going to escape because. I guess they didn't. The, yeah, <laughs> they were just. They were like, let's blow this thing up. And, you know, Luke had already gone off to. He committed himself to going and facing Vader. Well, Han <laughs> says, I'm sure he wasn't on that thing while it blew. <laughs> <laughs> Could have been so different. And Lando probably wasn't even thinking about it. Nope. <laughs> he had no idea what was going on. He was just working out how to explain how the he's gonna he's yeah, he's working out how he's gonna explain the, the lost satellite dish. <laughs> Trying to figure out what nine numbs say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's a mystery in itself. Uh, Isaac, what do you think? Luke's role in this film is he necessary? It's kind of like in these films, it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter that much. Like we're not seeing the the global implications; we're just seeing his story. So yeah, maybe he's not at the most, you know, you know, if you're watching like the news in Star Wars times, like he won't be brought <laughs> up. But also, we're going to the cinema to see like his story. So yeah, sure, if he probably would have destroyed the Death Star if he if he wasn't there. But, like, we're going to see his art get finished. So I'm not like, like, no one's really that fussed about whether or not, you know, it's his, you know, it's, he's the one we've been following all this all this time. So it's, we want to see his story play out. So I don't think it matters too much. Like, yeah, he's not, you know, he's, yeah, he doesn't actually, he doesn't save the day in the end, I suppose, on a, on a you know, galaxy scale. But we do see the end of his story, which is like the reason the film was made. So, yeah, he was he probably wasn't necessary. However, you know, we it's still the most important thing to us. So, I count it as it's his. You know, it's still his sort of film. So it's still fun to see, like, yeah, his his involvement. If the emperor hadn't been distracted by Luke, do you think he would have? had the foresight to get off the Death Star? Yes. That's why I think Luke's essential. Mm. Um, Vader would have been fine because he wouldn't have left the command ship. No, Palpatine sends him off to sit on his command ship and wait for instructions, so he'd have been fine. Unless he was on that ship that the A-Wing crashed into. Uh, there's a big what-if that's going on here. We could rewrite this. <laughs> <laughs> What is Return of the Jedi if Luke Skywalker decides to stay on Dagobah with, and grieve over Yoda? That's a good what if. There we go. That's our question answered, hopefully to Jordan's satisfaction. Um, we don't know, I guess is the answer. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because it's not our film. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yep. So, Return of the Jedi was, is, is the end of a saga. I mean, it's the end of a saga that sort of continues now because, uh, you know, Disney spent $4 billion on the franchise and they want their money back. So they're, they're going to keep making more of them. So we've got another three that have always been part of the saga, but never mind. Uh, as an ending, um, 
What do you think of it as an ending? Do you think it works? Do you think it has problems? Uh, well, I mean, it ties up some of the loose ends that were um, left at the end of Empire. You know, we get the kind of how are we going to ever get over the fact that um, Vader's revealed to Luke that he's his father? Uh, Han's encased in carbonite. Is he going to come back? Does Harrison Ford want to do another Star Wars movie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, uh, like you said in your spoiler-free thoughts, there's not a whole lot to it, you know? <laughs> not, a, doesn't, a lot, not a lot of stuff has to happen. Um, but, you know, it's a finale, and you get a big Ewok dance party at the end, so <laughs> uh, I can't complain about that. Um, and, yeah, there's, I still think that there's some pretty iconic stuff in here. Um, I, I don't think it compares quite as well. Um, to uh, Star Wars or Empire but just again from pure nostalgia and just for being able to watch the three of them and have a whole kind of um, a whole kind of trilogy arc I think it's pretty satisfying that's probably just the, my childish mind <laughs> thinking about it and the, just enjoying what I'm being given spoon fed some happy ending uh, but yeah I think it works from that point of view I don't have too much nostalgia for the old Star Wars films and to be honest, I can't remember them very well. It's like quite a good just sort of movie by itself, just kind of because they're, they're, you know, an adventure movie. Because you get the, you know, you get the turmoil and you get the the two different sort of plots running together. They get Luke's, you know, Luke's plot and the uh, the rebels' plot, sort of like the Endor stuff. So there's a lot of fun in there for people who like, you know, just going along to see a movie that's. Uh, essentially a kind of a heist I guess because it's like the, you have to sneak into the you know you have to do the sneak past the spaceship and you have to you know get this in, well they've already got the intel but then you have to like shut down the thingy and so there's a lot of fun sort of stuff happening so it's you know it works as a just as an adventure movie uh, I'm yeah I'm not very I don't know too much about the original trilogy to say whether or not it's a you know satisfactory ending based on you know the you know New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Uh, I mean, it's kind of fun. It's, <laughs> it's all right. And this is your favourite one of the three. <laughs> so, it's well, so I said like said to before. Like when it comes to Star Wars, its sequel trilogy is the best. Then the prequel trilogy, then the old, like the original trilogy. I really don't care that much for them. <laughs> I think like they don't have a nostalgia thing to me. They're they're quite they're quite slow. They don't. I don't really go back to watch them that much. So, like, I think there you go. I think that's your answer. If you don't have the nostalgia, then then, yeah, the, the, then this is kind of an honest appraisal of them yeah, as it's, films. Yeah. It's just a it's just an action movie, and it's it does all right. <laughs> I think it's satisfying in some ways. I think the Luke Emperor Vader stuff, you can't do any better than this. I think it's you know, it's so dripping in uh, in emotion and really heavy stuff. You know, the the way that uh, the the sort of redemption arc that plays out, you know, you I mean you don't really get a sense that Anakin or Vader, well Vader slash Anakin can be redeemed uh, up until this point and then Luke's driving home the point of 
no, 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 I sense good in you, and you don't know whether he's just seeing it because he wants to see it or not, but then, you know, there's little bits here and there where Vader is, is humanity is trying to creep through, and it doesn't quite get there but uh, until the very end. And I think that's really satisfying. I think that stuff's brilliant. But then you have teddy bears fighting the Empire on a, on a forest moon, which is, you know, why is this in here? I mean... It just makes the Empire look more useless than they already are. You know, they're just, they can't defeat these stupid bears. Um, I think the Jabba's Palace sequence is really dull as well. So between the space battle and the um, and the Luke Skywalker stuff, totally on board. And then, but I can't believe that's in the same film as these other two things. Yeah, I, I don't know what was going on here. I think George Lucas wanted to appeal more to kids. Maybe he was thinking about these Ewok movies that are going to get made. Um, so that's why he's introduced these little bear things. Yeah, it was all about the merch by that point. Yeah, and it would only get worse. Yep. As I said earlier, it's the downfall that continued in the prequels. Why is this character here? Sell a toy. Yeah. Why, why are we meeting General Grievous in the last film? Because toys. Uh, people will want to own this character but um, I mean I suppose it gives a Star Wars continues giving work to uh, smaller actors in stature anyway (laughs) that's true and some uh, on a recurring basis yeah so that's commendable to some degree Um, but yeah it's it's just weird it's just you know the thing is you watch Empire and it, it kind of pulls itself together really nicely um, with everything that's going on but this it just feels like it feels like there's people at war with each other trying to make this thing you know that I want the bears fine but I want the I want this deep emotional stuff on the Death Star fine let's put it all together see what happens it's like studio interference where there's no studio it's just George Lucas and it feels like some people were quite heavily on drugs yeah most definitely <laughs> The Saving Hand solo plot could have been a film in itself. You know, it feels like something they just need to tie up before they um, before they get on with the real story. And I wonder if some of that's down to Harrison Ford finally agreeing to the money that they were going to pay him, and they have to hastily get him back in somehow. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that whole sequence is a mess. Um, why doesn't Luke take his lightsaber with him? Why does he give it to R two? Does he have to go to the airport security or something? Have to get in the Jabba's palace? Who knows? But. It's uh, it's really weird that he doesn't have it. I smell a special edition. Yeah, <laughs> where he just builds it and then gives it to R two in the special edition, doesn't he? Oh no, where he goes through. Uh... <laughs> where he goes through airport. Security. Where he goes through airport security. Yeah. Put your back, put your cape up here, Mister Jedi. No problem. Pockets emptied. Yep. Gonna need you to take those boots off. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that, I mean, that sequence is... But I suppose it's almost a New Hope-like, that sequence, isn't it? You've got all the characters sort of doing stuff in the same space. And I think that's another thing this film suffers from, is the fact that the main cast aren't always together. You know, they they split off into groups, which is, you've kind of had that in the last film, so maybe you want to see them more together in this film. I certainly do. You know, there's only one film where they are, like, together as a cast, and that's the first one. The Rise of Skywalker, you say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know JJ said that the cast are together in the Rise of Skywalker. Let's, uh, uh-huh. let's not talk about that. <laughs> okay, okay, I'll try not to. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
what do you guys think are the strongest moments in this in this film? What makes it a satisfying ending? I think, as you said, the the Luke Vader Palpatine stuff is really good and uh, and was genuinely scary, you know, for a kid because it, it seemed like you know there was the possibility that Luke was being tempted by the dark side. Um, even though you know you should really feel like you know good's going to win in the end. There's, I think that that all that stuff is really well done, really well crafted to make you kind of feel really uneasy everything about it I, I always um, go on about the music but yeah all that kind of eerie empire stuff at the end as well and uh, I think I think Palpatine's really well done just to be such a sort of creepy unsettling character um, so I think that's definitely my favourite stuff in it um, and yeah <laughs> I could I, yeah I just think that the, the rest of it is a bit of a bit of a muddle, a bit of a mess, just to try and get us to the, get us over the finish line. It does feel as if they felt like they really had to cap off the trilogy in some way and just kind of had to have this big bang, blow up a, blow up another Death Star, fireworks, the end, everyone lives happily ever after, except when we have some sequels, we'll find out that no, they all went on to uh, <laughs> have children and break up eventually and kind of undo all the the wind conditions that happened in, in Jedi. Or if you read the now non-canon expanded universe, you find out that the Empire doesn't get defeated by the Emperor's death. It just There's still pockets of people that are want to keep their jobs, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure there are people out there kind of um, sequel deniers or people who will just kind of want to think of this these three films in a kind of hermetically sealed manner and just think, no, I, I saw Death Star... 2.0 blow up. I saw them all celebrating, and they all lived happily ever after. And it's fair enough if you want to think that, because that was that was well. George Lucas claims it wasn't the original intention, but um, for a long time, it was all we had. Yeah. In terms of films, of course, there was always a bunch of extended universe stuff. But you know, for, for I'd say for the majority of people who who had seen Star Wars, it was Star Wars: Empire Jedi. Yeah, I mean, that's all it was for me for a long time. I didn't really dip into the expanded universe stuff. I mean, I've heard bits and pieces about it, and the stuff I've heard about it I don't like. It's like Chewbacca being crushed by a moon and all this nonsense. <laughs> you know, the solo children are just evil or whatever, they get killed, I don't know. It's, it doesn't sound that great. Um, I'm not saying that what we've got now is that much better, I suppose, but um, certainly Force Awakens isn't, um, to me anyway unpopular opinion alert but I don't like Force Awakens uh, so yeah it's, it is an ending I guess I mean if you look at it as an end of Luke's journey towards becoming a Jedi then absolutely and then just so happens the Empire gets taken down at the same time so great um, the family guy joke about the oh good the, or it might be robot chicken it's the they've killed the you know, they've blown up the Death Star. It's like, yeah, but they did that before. And it's like, yeah, but they also killed the Emperor. You had to do both. You know, at the same time as as uh, Luke becomes a Jedi and redeems his father. So it's all good. It's all rosy in this in this universe. Everyone's happy now. Um, especially the Ewoks. So there's so many Stormtroopers to eat. Because <laughs> uh, that's what they were about to do uh, to the gang. So what do you think they're going to do to the Stormtroopers? Feast. Yeah. 
all the X-Wing pilots fly down. They're like, ah, oh, what's for dinner? It's like, yeah, people. Don't ask. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, um, don't ask. Just enjoy it. Barbecue. Yeah. It's all fine. <laughs> you were talking about how it's, you almost feel like Luke might not prevail in this one. And I kind of get what you mean. I think the, um, the scenes of the Death Star, they're sort of dripping in darkness. You know, that eerie music that you talked about is, is brilliant. Uh, Palpatine is so overpowering as a presence. Um, is that kind of, yeah, how the hell is he going to get out of this? But it's also weirdly understated in what he does. All he does is sit there and say, look, your, your fleet is getting blown to bits. Uh, you might as well turn evil now. Um, and then he keeps goading him and killing him. It's like, come on, hit me with a lightsaber. Uh, that'll make you fully evil. And then, um, obviously it doesn't, because uh, he's very committed to staying on the light side. Yeah, I think it works, because there's, there's something about being so close, like kind of touching distance to two of these incredibly bad characters. You know, one of them the greatest villains to ever have been on a film screen. And then his boss, yeah. <laughs> you know? It just feels like, how how is he going to get out of this? You know, it doesn't matter. Even if he tries to fight back, there's two of them. They're easily going to handle him. And then, yeah, you're right. It's just this kind of... He's so trapped because he kind of submits himself to it. And then, like you say, Palpatine's just kind of turning the screw. And you think, no, even if he does try to resist, he'll be struck down. Yeah, and we all, all we obviously know that Mace Windu failed to kill the uh, the Emperor way back, even though he so easily could have. I mean, whether you accept that or not, I suppose is up to you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, not even Samuel L. Jackson could bring down the Emperor. Well, even with that sweet purple lightsaber. <laughs> exactly, it's uh, right enough. Anakin did um, cut his hand off, which made made things problematic for him. <laughs> <laughs> it did up the difficulty. Window. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Ian McDermott in this film is, is amazing. I think the, the makeup is a lot harsher than it ever is later on. I mean, you only see it again once in, um, in what do you call it, in the Revenge of the Sith, but it, it feels too much in that film. Whereas here it's just he's scarred, he has the yellow eyes, he looks like, you know, he looks almost Reaper-ish, I guess. I do, I do love the Emperor. I think he's, he's always like a fun part of these movies. It's always like I think it's just, he's kind of, not charming, but when he's talking to like Darth Vader, he's like, oh, yeah, my old friend, or whatever, he's, he has got that sort of creepy glee of just, like, just the evil sort of dripping off him, which is always fun. So he is, yeah, he's, he's very entertaining to watch. Yeah, and he loves being evil as well. Clearly revels in it. Yeah, very sort of sarcastic, or uh, you know, <laughs> just some of the, his delivery takes such glee in the fact that he's got the rebels right where he wants them, or so he thinks. Yeah, and I love that the whole time Vader's sitting there thinking, "I'm actually just going to get killed and be replaced with this guy." So that's 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 a good career move for for poor Vader. Yeah. <laughs> Because Vader's always been the kind of worn-out husk of what Palpatine always wanted, like this really powerful apprentice. But uh, you know, Vader is not what Anakin could have been. I mean, at this point, I suppose Vader wasn't like necessarily 
well, he wasn't the chosen one. That crap hadn't been introduced yet. Mm. Um, he was just some Jedi that fell. So there's no suggestion that he's like all that powerful, really, necessarily. I mean, he'd be power- he's powerful as Vader because of his hatred and uh, and all the dark side stuff. But the suggestion was that he was just kind of a normal Jedi. Um, I guess as is Obi-Wan. I suppose since they're the only Jedi you know of, you automatically assume they're the most powerful. But I think it'd be more interesting if he was just... You know, he was just a standard Jedi uh, who fell to the dark side, and this is what you get when when a Jedi falls to the dark side. It just all goes to pot. Yeah, I agree. I think that the lack of kind of chosen one or any prophecy type stuff or anything like that, just because he because there's not really a whole lot explained other than you know you know that at one point he was good, now he's bad. And yeah, the scarcity of, of uh, force users means that he's and you know everything we've seen him do so far, and just how ominous looking he is. He's got badass theme music as well. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I think everything that they've kind of set up to to make him the the big bad in these films um, was probably better without all of the explanation afterwards. Yeah, I mean, as we've said in the alien stuff, the worst thing you can do is explain things sometimes. So yeah. you, don't, you don't need to know. Uh, you get enough, you can infer enough from context. Uh, it's just, yeah, he was a Jedi. He made a few bad choices, and now he's evil. He fathered two children, as it turns out, and uh, it's very dangerous for those children to be around him. He's also at a senior position in a galactic empire that oppresses, I guess, billions. So, that's something to be defeated. Certainly a problem. From a certain point of view. From a certain point of view, yeah. I love it how, even if you don't account for what he talks about in the prequels, Obi-Wan is, never tells Luke anything that's true. <laughs> like, not one word out of his mouth is true. Well, you know... 20 years in the harsh desert sun really did a number on him. <laughs> What's the whole... Uh, actually, it's kind of true because um, when when Anakin became Darth Vader, it was like his original self was destroyed, so what I told you was kind of true. <laughs> like, no, no, you're still lying. <laughs> and then when, you know, when I first met him, he was already a great pilot. I thought I could train him just as well as Yoda. Like, no, that's not what happened either. Well, you know, Leia remembers her mother. But how? <laughs> yeah, she was uh, kind but sad in those few seconds before <laughs> she lost the will to live. Well, you know, the Force. Force memories. It explains everything. The Force. The Force. And of course, Leia will learn how you use her powers as Luke has. Yeah, you know, she's got Mary Poppins in to do. <laughs> Yeah, only when uh, in the vacuum of space is she uh, any use with her powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole sister thing, actually, I mean, that really comes out of nowhere. Like, they do say an <laughs> empire, there is another, but that can mean anything. Um, not necessarily it's Leia. It's, yeah, considering they were setting her up as, like, the, the princess to be rescued, the damsel in distress in the first film, the second film they have a uh, let's make Han jealous kiss and now they're brother and sister. <laughs> but it was all planned out beforehand. <laughs> making it even more creepy. Yeah. It's Harrison Ford's face when it's like, he's my brother. He's just like, oh. 
<laughs> wait, wait a minute. Oh, that's that's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, all, and then, like, Luke lies back, you know, relaxes, hands behind his head. <laughs> and just kiss my sister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Leia's always known. That's what she says in this film. That's, yeah. That's awkward. <laughs> yeah, but the I think it does lead to a great moment where Vader's trying to you know, try to get Luke to bite. Uh, trying to get him to fight him. And and then he, he comes around to Oh, you're you have a sister. It's like, well, maybe I'll just corrupt her if if it doesn't work on you and that's that's what triggers him, that's when he you know, when he hits back. Yeah, it kind of goes against everything he's been told, though. You know, it does. Yeah. Don't uh, don't lash out. Use it for defense, not attack. And right, yet, yeah, everything works out for him, even though he kind of goes against all his uh, training, his uh, two weeks of training or whatever he's had. <laughs> well, I think they're sort of setting Luke up as this um, as a more pragmatic force user. You know, he's not very. Like the, the dark side isn't necessarily forbidden to him because he's able to come back from it so he's able to you know, use his anger to give himself a burst of power or strength or whatever in, in a moment and then he's able to walk himself back from it it's like, it's almost like he's not afraid of his more negative emotions which is probably because he he grew up like experiencing them and he wasn't they weren't forbidden to him so he's used to them mm. and I think that um, I think that's something The Last Jedi does very well is uh, brings in this whole actually the the dark side is as much of a is as necessary as the light side you know you shouldn't limit yourself to one or the other and I've heard it theorised that because he wasn't brought up in that kind of Jedi temple you know thousands of years of uh, only going about things one way he's he's got this kind of um, alternative <laughs> approach yeah, well, isn't it in the expanded universe like his Jedi Order are allowed to have wives and stuff? Uh, you've got me there. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I know I know who Mara Jade is, for example. That's like his wife, isn't she? Sounds familiar. Yeah, it, <laughs> I mean, in the in the non-canon legend stuff, anyway. Is it just it's legends now, isn't it? We call it. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it's stuff that didn't really happen in canon. Stuff you can I, believe if you want to. It is quite fun sort of watching him like just sort of grapple and twist with all this sort of stuff. There's a lot of stuff going on for a guy who's pretty unprepared for what, you know, the the universe has been throwing at him. So he's got to sort of, you know, he's, he's got to fight off his like, his the only reason he found out, like, the thing is his dad, and he's only just sort of... There's a lot going on in his head. It's fun watching the Emperor, who's clearly just having a great time, just, just being just being a mean old man. The standard Emperor being... You know, he's, he's twisting the knife in, he's really trying to get into his head and show him that... You know, he's trying to just sort of mould him, and then you got, like, yeah, it's well, good acting from, like, Mark Hamill and stuff, like, his more... Well, you were saying yesterday, like how he's mainly known for more like comedic stuff, but he's he's doing a great job of sort of showing how conflicted he is in this scene, and he's 
having to take on this sort of well, basically Darth Vader's like a monster man just hunting him down in this unfamiliar place while he's being you know trying to go over all this stuff in his head like trying to stick to his principles but also at the same time like just trying to survive in the situation so it's it's fun watching like of all the original trilogy fights that's definitely like I think the best one because it's like it's got you know kind of high not high stakes well yeah, it's high stakes like he's there's a I don't know. There's a lot going on in his head, basically. Yeah. He's, he's, he's having a bit of a stressful day. Yeah, it's, it's not the best day for Luke, because there's a lot going on, for sure. I mean, you can debate the sort of light and dark thing till the cows come home, really, and I think the I don't think they'll ever really arrive at a position on it, but my thinking is the whole, you know, a proper force user shouldn't limit themselves to one or the other, because if you do limit yourself to just the dark side, you turn out like the Emperor. Um, if you delimit yourself just to the light side, you're well, you're an idiot who can get, you know, legions of people killed in a galactic empire rising to power. So, like, there has to be a middle ground. I mean, surely it's, you know, it's all about how much you can learn, how much you can understand. Uh, and I think Luke is starting to tap into that because, you know, he does have a he has a laugh and a joke with everybody. He's, you know, he gets angry. Um, he is very much governed by his emotions, which makes him more interesting. Whereas if you look at the prequel Jedi, they're very boring because they aren't governed by their emotions. You know, they're just trying to be as stoic and monk-like as possible, which is really dull. You know, it's, um, so I think it makes for better characters when they're conflicted that way. I mean, if you think of like Obi-Wan in the prequel trilogy, he's, he's quite boring because he can't go too far in one direction or another. He just sits there as he is and doesn't really change. Um, you know, and I think Yoda has a good balance of who he is. I think um, you don't quite get enough of how he found that balance, but it's clear that he has found it because he's quite playful, or he should be quite playful. Even in death, he's quite playful. You know, in in this film when he's dying, he's like, "Oh yeah, Luke, I forgot to tell you this." Oh, well, while, while I'm dying, uh, remember this, and so on. Well, that seems quite. It goes on for a while, doesn't it? Like watching. <laughs> Like I said yesterday, it's like Luke, Luke, like just what? Just like just come on. Like I think that point, I was a bit like, like this is going on a bit now. Frogman's dying, but I just can't. Just he's got some like he's trying to get this bit of plot away. He's like, yeah, he said to clear up like the Darth Vader stuff. And I was like, just I don't know. Wasn't well, there stressing me out, but it was just a, a, it was pretty. It went on wild, didn't it? Like these, like it's kind of like um, in uh, Deadpool Two, where he's like just constantly dying, and he's dying a little bit, and he's coming back. I was like, "Come on, Yoda, just don't overstay your welcome. Give it up, the ghost. Come back yeah, in the ghost the and ghost. tell me. Like, I don't want to listen right now." Yeah. <laughs> not interested, just get over with it. <laughs> I suppose he's built up an empire to be this kind of jet great master. And yeah, we, we know that he's kind of a bit of a trickster, kind of a uh, bit deceitful to begin with. Maybe he's testing Luke to, to see if he's uh, worthy or if he's true. Um, patient. Or if he's patient, yeah, or happy to just put up with this weird little swamp thing. Um, 
and then I suppose you're supposed to kind of grow to love him and then see this as a a great passing, you know, Luke's um, mentor, except well, I suppose we know that Luke uh, gets very attached to, <laughs> to, to to mentor type characters, you know, grieves Ben Kenobi longer than he does his own aunt and uncle <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and then yeah, Yoda, you know, who's known for you see, known, met in person for a couple of weeks, comes back and, you know, it's like the greatest loss to him to see his master go um I, yeah, it's it's kind of a plot device, isn't it, to kind of move things along? And I suppose for uh, the majority of the the kids in the audience will be sad to see the puppet dying, <laughs> even if it is a wee bit comical, as, as you say, he kind of draws it out and <laughs> croaking away his last few breaths. <laughs> Meanwhile, you have to decipher what he's saying because he's <laughs> sort of back. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, is he burping? Is he coughing? Is he, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he's just having a—he's having something of a turbulent death. <laughs> I'm just happy that Luke managed to land the X-wing this time without like drowning it. Yeah. Do you think he would have been able to uh, raise it himself this time? Well, he would have had to, wouldn't he? Yeah. Yoda, I know you're at death's door, but you wouldn't mind getting a ship out this way. <laughs> just reverse it out of the drive one more time, please. <laughs> just use the last of your life force to put a hand here. Yeah. We know you'll be able to summon lightning in death, so no, this shouldn't be too hard. Um, I think Yoda's death is quite effective. I think the, the score does a lot of the work there, because it does get drawn out a bit. And um I don't know, like, are we supposed to take from it that Luke has been back to Dagobah now and again? Like, and I mean, you don't know how long it is between films, really. Um, whether they go straight to save Han or they kick about for a bit. There's arguments for both, I think. Yeah, personally, I don't feel like he has. But that's probably just because I'm totally governed by what I see on screen. So <laughs> I can't even bring myself to imagine what, what might have happened in the intervening periods. But, yeah. uh... Yeah, I don't know, but just because it's kind of a part of his journey, and because it's, it feels like it's a bit of a trek as well. That it's you know, uh, he, he he takes himself all the way there, and then Yoda's been hidden away. So it feels to me like it should be this, you know, you don't. It's not like you just pop in to see him for a, a cup of swamp tea and a biscuit, <laughs> um, you know. So he can only go back, and I guess because we know that um, Force ghosts can communicate across the galaxy. You know, he could be he could be receiving some guidance, or or even not if it's like if he's not directly speaking to him. There's got to be yeah. some sort of influence that uh, that his master is imparting, inserting into his life. There's, I mean, a couple of weeks of swinging on vines and carrying a a small rodent-like creature on your back—that's enough to become a Jedi. Yeah, that's all it takes now. I mean, exams are just getting easier and easier for kids these days. Well, I mean, his final exam is killing Vader, which is that's a rough that's a rough final exam. <laughs> like you'll be a Jedi once you kill Vader. Really? Doesn't sound very Jedi. Boss fight. Yeah. Um, you just have to kill Vader, and then you're fine. It's like, what does other Jedi have to do? It's like you know what I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess you have to isolate Luke. You know, he has to be the hero who stands up on his own two feet so to speak so he doesn't like he, he can't have any backup he can't have Yoda kicking about you know he can't have um, Obi-Wan kicking about he has to do this himself 
that's always the last step in the hero's journey, isn't it? Like where they have to face up to the problem on their own and then overcome Especially it. Especially now that we know that prequel Yoda could have just waltzed in there and you know flipped about the place and you know owned basically. I don't know. Those last forty years were pretty rough on him. <laughs> I still had it in him. <laughs> he had one more flip in him. <laughs> one more. <laughs> That's all it would have taken. <laughs> Yeah, prequel Yoda, he's only 40 years younger, but he's like still as spry as they come. Weird. Again, prequels, problem. But the, the Jabba's Palace thing, so I think it's well documented that Harrison Ford may not want to come back for these things, so I do think it was hastily added. I mean, I've, I'm not basing this on anything, but I think it was hastily added when they found out he was coming back. And it is the worst, it's the worst rescue plan you can think of. Let's all go in separately get captured, and then hope we can just escape. Yes, famously kind of uh, documented as one of the worst plans ever committed to film. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a wonder that it succeeds, because none of it is well thought out. Lando's disguise is the worst disguise anyone has ever worn. It's, you know, is he pretend to be an alien? Like, the face isn't even stuck on right. Um, Leia's disguise is pretty good. Her bounty hunter... Disguise that looks like the Breen from Star Trek. That's quite a cool disguise. Bush. Yeah. The Mighty Bush. The Mighty Bush, yeah. Um, so there's that. I mean, Luke gets shoved in the Rancor pit. He doesn't have his lightsaber with him. But luckily there's a big door. So that's, that's alright. A big Rancor killing door. Door ex machina. Well, it's funny how he throws a rock at it. I mean, if only I had some way to move the switch with his, uh, without actually touching it. Did you just remember his training? It was all about moving rocks with the force. <laughs> yeah, he could have thrown the rock at the door, or he could have just, you know, pressed it with the force. <laughs> I always feel sorry for the Rancor Tamer guy, though. Malakili. <laughs> if that's his name. <laughs> that's his name, don't worry about <laughs> Yeah, I always feel sorry for him. It's like he's, you know, just crying away. Just as a, I guess his pet thing is killed. That's like a, pro, a true character moment there, you know. You're only on screen in a loincloth uh, for a couple of seconds, and yet you can, you know, melt the coldest hearts. <laughs> with, your, with your sympathy. With your, for this, with your tears. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor guy. Um... Isaac, what do you think of the Jabba's Palace sequence? Uh, well, I'd missed the first half because I, I was just coming in from work. So I watched from the when he falls into the Rancor pit. Yeah, nothing happens before then. Right? Yeah, they just sort of... Actually, what does happen? Like, they just sort of briefly walk me through. So he, he gets in. Like, so Luke leaves a message in R2 that says, Hi, Jabba. Um... I want to have a chat with you. As a token of my appreciation, have these droids. Yeah. And these droids are yours now, for some reason. And then um, Chewie gets captured by Leia, comes in, gets chucked in a, in a cell. Yeah. Uh, and Lando's kicking about, just moving his face about, because he, you know, he's peeking over the whatever it is. Uh, and then Luke shows up and, yeah, tries yeah, to mind trick Tries to mind yeah, trick him. He has to fight the Rancor, etc. Yeah, uh, it's kind of a fun opener, I guess. There's, you know, it's there's the yeah the rancor pit. There's 
Boba Fett's funny death. Like you were saying, there's the, the Tatooine bit, and then there's the Endo bit, and there's the Death Star bit. All as just separate mini films, all combined into one big film. Yeah. So yeah, I suppose it works as terms of a you know a little you know a little fun start adventure to start the movie off. Yeah, it's all right. You know, there's all sort of stuff happening, and he's, he's not in the other ones, is he? Uh, Jabba the Hutt. He doesn't. He's not in like a New Hope or anything, is he? Uh, in the special edition, he is. He's, he's mentioned by name. Yeah, hand steps on his tail. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, which is really weird. Not the special edition. <laughs> Who knew I would get so much mileage out of my Rise Against? Um, <laughs> I think that the the Jabba's Palace stuff is a bit like um, so. You liked the cantina, did you? Well, here's some more weird aliens for you. <laughs> and also music, which, admittedly, I love all the music, so Latinx, original. Even the special edition? No, no, not that. It was on for days. Definitely not that. And just <laughs> weird, like, aliens just like, bawling right into the camera, and, you know, you can see all these, like, you know, bits of spit and things flying from their mouths. Oh, yeah, amazing. We've got the technology to animate spittle. Uh, <laughs> It's the no. Family Guy bit where it's the sock puppets. The very even work for the special edition. There's <laughs> these sock puppets. And, yeah, no, give me the original classic Max Rebo. Is it his feet he's playing the keyboard with? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Hands, I don't know. Don't care. Max Rebo, blue. He's cool. Max Rebo, yeah. The Max Rebo band. One night yeah. only. And then the Twi'lek dancer gets fed to the Rancor as well, which is a bit harsh. Yeah. Like, I didn't enjoy that entertainment. I'm sure she's famous somewhere, but it's fine. She's now Rancor food. Yeah, her agent's probably pretty annoying. <laughs> like, oh, it's like, I've not heard of her since, you know, we sent her on a gig to this, you know, thingy. He's like, oh, yeah, no, this, the, the client got kind of annoyed and fed her to, like, this monster. It must happen quite a lot in Star Wars. It's yeah, like, people just go missing. Well, I think Star Wars in general is like, oh, yeah, fed into a big monster. <laughs> it's just part yeah. of the job. <laughs> it just yeah, you might you might make money out of this gig or you might get fed to a giant creature. It's fifty fifty. Yeah. You gotta work with what you gotta work with, I guess. Yeah. What do you think the Rancor homeworld is like? Eh <laughs> uh, Dunno. You go there in the Force Unleashed. Or you go to a place where Rancor are anyway. Really, just sort of roaming around with um, yeah, packs of rancor. Yeah, well, they're yeah, they're sort of individual. Although, if you're unlucky, you can get two of them at once. Uh. <laughs> really difficult. Uh, they are really d- tough to kill uh, in the Force Unleashed. I forget what planet it is. Not enough uh, doors. Maybe Felicia. Is it Felicia? I don't know. Anyway, bye Felicia. <laughs> yeah, you fight rancor in the Force Unleashed, uh, which is you know pretty cool, I suppose. Uh, and there's also a bull rancor, which is massive. Um, yeah, apparently they eat each other and stuff. If you read Wikipedia, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they fight and then eat each other because they're, I guess, these savage giant creature. I don't know why Jabba has one. Because I guess, what do you get? The slug that has everything. He's an animal lover. He's an animal lover. Yeah. He also has that stupid little laughing thing that sits in his tail. Salish is crumb. <laughs> the worst card in Star Wars Top Trumps. <laughs> Why he is barely, it the worst? He can barely beat anyone with Silicious Crumb. 
<laughs> I'm sure you must be able to beat someone because it would be useless having a card that can't that can't beat anyone at anything in Trumps. So yeah, I guess there's a cat. I'll have to find out what the category is because uh, that's got to be a trivia question. Maybe it's the equivalent of um, of Magikarp. Yeah, completely useless. <laughs> exactly. Delicious crumb used splash. <laughs> it does nothing. <laughs> yeah, I was always getting beat up by Bosk and Wampa and things like that when you get Salacious Crumb. <laughs> well, there you go. Star Wars Top Trump. That'll be a movie soon. Oh, people no. playing Star Wars cards. <laughs> <laughs> Could happen. It'll be like a follow-on from the, the Last Jedi where the legend has spread and now they've just made a trading card game out of it. That's what the that's what the next film's going to be about. Chroma Star Wars story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Boba Fett, as you mentioned, Isaac gets the worst death ever, where he gets accidentally hit in the jetpack by a blind guy and thrown into a pit of a carnivorous monster. It's almost like deliberately flipping the bird to the fans. You know, people who kind of mythologized and. I don't know if, you know, this this couldn't possibly have been happening because there wasn't, I don't know. Nowadays, yeah, I think that filmmakers do things like this, kind of throw in FUs to people every now and again, <laughs> just to be like, yeah, you like this guy? Well, watch this. Was it, I don't at think this that, point, there must have been tie-in media with Boba Fett in it, surely? Yeah, but, I mean, what, what like, his first appearance was in the holiday special or something, and he, <laughs> and, and then people started being like, oh, who is that cool guy? He had a jetpack and a cool helmet and a cape, and, like, people kind of built him up and built him up and built him up, and it's, it's almost, like, hilarious how bad his death is. Yeah. Um, he's quite cool in Empire Strikes Back. I mean, he doesn't have much to do, but it's clear that Vader respects him and things like that. Uh, but, yeah, in this, he's just like, Boba Fett, where? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but according to legend, not really dead. Yeah, is it not? Yeah, it's the the barge kills this the sarlacc or something like that, and he survives. Yeah, something like that. You know, obviously you're supposed to you know be digested over a thousand years or something, which I don't understand how it makes sense if your mortal existence doesn't last beyond you know, say. 1,900. <laughs> Goodbye, Boba Fett. We hardly knew you. Uh, so, yeah, let's let's get to the Ewoks. Yes. Uh, the Ewoks are fun. <laughs> are they though? I mean, I quite like the Ewoks. There's so much about the Endor or the forest moon of Endor. Endor is the planet. Endor is a gas giant. This is a moon. The moon's never actually named other than the forest moon. It probably is in expanded lore but I'm not privy to that so it's fine um, almost certainly Yeah, everything about this, the Empire in this, these sequences is rubbish, like the speeder bikes like why would you put that, like why would you fly those in a densely packed forest area because <laughs> <laughs> your scout troopers are like amazingly skilled We're speeder gonna... bike pilots 
if we're just going to travel at 300 miles an hour through this densely packed and unpredictable forest. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, we'll pelt into trees, because of course you will. It makes a difficult level in every um, video game adaptation. Except the Lego one. Except the Lego one. I remember the Game Boy version, though. That was pretty tough. <laughs> it was one of the GameCube ones. Rogue something. Rogue Leader, Rogue Squadron, Rogue something. Uh, there was speeder, a speeder bike level, and it was horrible. <laughs> it was just impossible. I mean, yeah, it does make for a difficult video game level. And I wonder if like that is part of why they're coming up with these sequences, so you can have the toy sets, so you can have the, the video games. Yeah, so make a good level in a video game. But no, it won't. No one will like this level in any video game. They should have far more underwater sequences then, because every video game has to have an underwater level. <laughs> yeah. Um, you don't get that in this one, I guess. No, but Alien Resurrection, yes. <laughs> we cracked it. We finally cracked it. You need an underwater. A few podcasts too late, but cracked it. Yeah. Um, it'd be great. So the, the Empire, they're also wearing um, outfits that stick out like a sore thumb in a forest environment. We knew the clone troopers had like camouflage armour, so why not these guys? Yeah, and the rebels come equipped with their camo gear. Yeah, they blend in quite nicely, except for the fact that they bring C-3PO with them. <laughs> Golden Tony. <laughs> Where he's just standing there, just large and gold. Gleaming. And they also bring R2 because they're like, yeah, he doesn't have any rockets to be able to blast over any twigs or logs that are in the way. It's fine though, we're going to be on the perfectly paved area of the forest moon. Yeah, it's it's fine to bring R2. We might need to plug into a tree at some point. <laughs> um, yeah, the Ewok stuff annoys me. It just does. I think that the fact that they bring down the Imperial troops is ridiculous. Like they're just chucking rocks at them and chucking spears at them. It's like their armor is worthless. It's pretty great when you see them sort of let off an arrow from from a bow, and you can just see it kind of, you know, there's absolutely no force behind it. It just kind of peters off into the distance. It's like, yep, that's the height of their of their weaponry. It's, just, <laughs> it's completely flying out of out of shot. Oh, I love it when one of the Ewoks drops a couple of rocks on top of the ATST, and it does nothing. <laughs> oh yeah, it just bounces like <laughs> pointlessly off. Yeah, but then they managed to destroy one with a couple of logs. Yeah, they set up some pretty mean Sherwood Forest style booby traps. <laughs> it's the it's the sort of yeah the logs that, that crush it. It's like yeah. Yeah, that shouldn't work. Like what is this made of? Like paper mache? I mean, tripping them up with the with the the Home Alone style booby trap is that works, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, having walkers in that forest is stupid as well, because of you know the terrain. And you've got like an ATAT in one at one point. It's like circling the, the landing pad. I mean, that stands on an uneven bit of terrain. That's going over. Yeah, I think it just further highlights how how terrible legged vehicles are. No one ever okay pointed out to the scenarios. empire. Yeah, but. I don't know what those scenarios are. Walking over a desert, I guess. A perfectly flat surface. Down a shallow incline. I don't know. Is it in Battlefront 1, the, the EA version? The dark side one? That you get to like run through the, the forest moon with a ATST or 
or an AT-AT kicking about above you and stuff. I'm sure I saw that like in a demo or something. Well, during the new Battlefront, so like the old yeah, the new the new one, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, they did show off like some like some endor stuff. I mean, there's yeah. like a hold off, you know, a, what do you call it, fight waves of them sort of thing going on. Yeah. Do you think Han regretted his decision to lead the strike team onto the planet or onto the moon because he had to deal with these pain, like pain in the arse bears to try to eat them at first? That was just another in a long line of inconveniences for him. <laughs> yeah. Although I suppose the alternative is he just sits in the Falcon and says stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I suppose there's you get the kind of fun kids adventure of the gang getting trapped in a net together and then you know getting taken off by a, a tribe you know carried away they're going to get cooked and eaten and then of course saved by the golden god himself <laughs> yeah it's against my programming to impersonate the AT, but i'll still do it <laughs> yeah programming schmogramming and then he tells the story of the last two films which is really handy yeah, which is pretty cool. Yeah, with all the sound effects. Yeah. He downloaded all the sound effects that he needs on his memory bank and was able to tell a mean story. So Golden Tony downloads the soundboard from the Play Store and that's able to support his story because he can just like uh, press for all the different sound effects that he needs. <laughs> and it's all perfectly legal. He paid 99 pence for it. Yeah. So 99 whatever currency they use in the Star Wars universe in the original trilogy. Credits. Is it? Not really boring. I don't know. What did they what did they pay Han Solo to get them off Tatooine? Uh, I don't know. It was just two thousand. Galac- was... Galactic credits. Yeah, it was just thousands of something. He probably had like <laughs> a lot of death stick money saved up that he could have used to <laughs> <laughs> Death Stick money. Jesus. <laughs> um Although there's a couple of like little sad bits with Ewoks, isn't there? Like where they get killed and, and the one of them just Pushes his friend as as it kind of lies there, lifeless. That wasn't sad. I do remember that. Because at first I thought it was going to be a comedy scene, and then like, no, the puppet is just dead. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's just, just depressing. <laughs> it is quite. Yeah, crazy. lest we forget, they're not just blaster fodder. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they're apparently really good at warfare. They're better than the Empire. <laughs> It also features um, Chewie doing a Tarzan, <laughs> a Tarzan yell as he swings on a vine. Yeah. Oh God. Well, kids, kids love these things. Teddy bears swinging from vines, all kinds of cool stuff to watch. Yeah. Uh, Chewie must feel like a giant among all the bears as well, because you know he's like a furry, uh, a furry creature as well. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm taller than all these guys. But he's so old that, you know, he must... Has he encountered them before? Who knows? Maybe he's eaten them. Do they even make it off the planet? I don't know. <laughs> first, first of all, I say I don't want any kind of extended universe or EU stuff. And then I'm all about wondering what the Rancor homeworld is like. And, you know, I want to know about Ewok star pilots and things. I'm guessing that they're too primitive to have ever uh, made it to the to the stars. But, you know, was there ever an Ewok senator? We'll never know. 
It's a shame there's no um, Prime Directive in the Star Wars universe because it's just, yeah, their evolution's buggered. <laughs> just this random shield generator shoved in the middle of their forest and then uh, yeah, whatever else. Introducing them to strange new foods. Yeah, and then um, pretending to be their god. <laughs> yeah, that's probably going to be pretty harmful for them. <laughs> but it's all right, it's fine. Remember, we blew up the Death Star, so it's all good. Yeah, well, they shared some amazing cultural music with us. They did. Yubnub. Oh, Yubnub. <laughs> oh, what a song. John Williams' finest composition. <laughs> uh, and it's a different one in the um, expand- extended edition, isn't it? Like, I don't know what it is, but it's just something else. It's the Pan Flute Subway Band. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> As you, as Jar Jar Binks makes a cameo, or at least a Gungan. Yeah, I wonder about that. Um, you know, there's got to be some support for the Empire because got to have some kind of infrastructure kind of spread out around the galaxy. And yet it seems like everyone in the major population centres is just out celebrating. <laughs> Toppling statues. Except yeah. the, the theatrical edition, all they do is they, you know, they burn the forest with their fireworks and um and stuff like that. I think that's one of the one of the better additions, like where you go like around the universe and you see all the different people celebrating. Yeah, I mean it's not too bad. Like it it's fine, I think. Um you can sort of take it or leave it, I suppose. It's less egregious than some of the other ones. Such as Vader yelling no just before he throws Palpatine <laughs> off the platform. Yeah, it's like, no, you already know what Vader's thinking. You don't even say that. <laughs> he says it twice. He says it kind of quietly to himself. <laughs> yeah. Nah. Nah, mate. And then... <laughs> nah. It just... It ruins the moment completely. <laughs> uh, it's George. also badly mixed as well. It doesn't sound right. It's like me editing out swearing in a podcast. It's like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what other changes are in this film. Well, other than the the horrible musical sequence at the beginning, just other bits and pieces, I guess. Um, yeah. Well, we know of one very yeah. um, specific blue edition. <laughs> yeah, um, Hayden Christensen. That's the one. Yeah. Oh, that's another one I prefer as well. I prefer there's, having... There's one. There's one. Like, likes it. as opposed to just some guy. Like, I like that it's... Like, yeah, they've sort of gone... He was Vader back in the day, so we've got him back to, you know, to play the light side Darth Vader. I think that's like a decent... Like, that makes sense, as opposed to having, you know... the Bruce Sebastian Shaw. Yeah, Sebastian Shaw Vader. <laughs> it just looks weird, like... It looks like what Darth Vader looked like if he hadn't been really burnt. Because if he would have been burnt, he wouldn't have had, like, his fine eyebrows and yeah. full head of, like, jet black hair. You think Obi-Wan looks over at him and he's like, who is that yeah, guy? Who is this dude? <laughs> Although the thing is, if you haven't seen the prequels, you'll look at Hayden Christensen and be like, 
Who's this guy? Why is he much bluer than everyone else? <laughs> yeah, it's a quite a clumsy addition. He's also wearing like the white robes because all they did was replace the head. So like, Anakin never wore white robes. It's a ghost. He can... He's got yeah, all the get a whole. Yeah, you get a whole wardrobe in Jedi Heaven. <laughs> it's like you have to wear this. Well, Lando stole Han's clothes, and Anakin stole Qui Gon's clothes. <laughs> yeah. Um, although Lando does have quite an impressive cape early on in this film. <laughs> William <Right>. December. <laughs> well, he's a. Uh, well, Han's making fun of him for leading the offensive. <laughs> yeah, but I've got this cape, so that's why they. They made me general because of this cape. Generals wear capes. Dressed to impress. That was it. Yeah, it's a. Uh, like you threw out all my capes when you stole my ship, but I kept some. But we so. did see that um, the weird disguise as well. <laughs> yeah, that was that must have been in his uh, closet. Just this old thing. I'll chuck this on. This should work. Yeah, dress yeah. up. Job of the hut cupboard. Who I am anyway. So the kind of uh, battle for Endor in the in space that's really cool. Like, even to this day, it still looks really good. You know, there's a lot going on. We've got a lot of model work flying about. It's, you know, to make it work without CGI is really impressive. Just, it's the biggest thing they've ever attempted. Or had ever attempted yeah. until that point. I'd say, yeah, definitely holds up. Yeah. Um, and just Admiral Akbar, of course, is uh, is comedy gold. All he wants to do is get there and get on the offensive, and then as soon as they get there, all he wants to do is leave. <laughs> hey man, he knows what he wants eventually. <laughs> and then, yeah, they're they're flying up close to Star Destroyers. It's some random A-wing pilot that manages to like save the day by crashing into the bridge. That was a nice touch. Yeah, Lando loses the deflector dish or the the satellite dish. Is yeah. the fact that they're going up against basically the same thing as from the first film problem and is it even worse now that Starkiller Base is a thing? Oh it's definitely worse now that Starkiller Base is a thing Starkiller yeah. Base is ridiculous like that thing shouldn't exist it's so stupid it's like a planet that just kills other planets like what is that about? But yeah the second Death Star it's like oh good another one why is this one better than the last one? I mean it's easier to blow up well, because it's not finished. So they can just fly inside. That makes for a bad level in Rogue's, Rogue Leader, I think it's called, as well. Flying about inside the Death Star, too. Yeah, that was that was pretty difficult, avoiding all those pipes and things. Yeah. Just near the Millennium Falcon as well, which is not the most manoeuvrable thing in the universe. And then, once you've blown up the core, trying to get out again and escape those flames. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was. I feel Lando's pain. Although he wasn't, he didn't seem that bothered. He was. Nah. He, he was quite on board with it. He he had it handled. <laughs> he just lost the sky dish. So, TV's gone. There'll be no. There'll be no sky movies for us this evening. It's a shame. I did want to see that scene where Han got the Falcon back and was like, "What the hell have you done? Where's the dish?" Well. Han was not the best owner. Like, we see it in Solo, and it's, like, shiny eyes, and it's lovely, and there's a cape room, and then, like, Han and Chewie get it, and they just ruin it. 
They basically rip all the bits off of it. <laughs> those smuggler compartments, though. Got those under-the-floor compartments you would never think to look in. Yep, or scan. Yeah. Good. Um, I don't know what he does with the cape room. I guess he, I don't know, he's turned it in a meat freezer or something like that. In a meat freezer. Yeah. Maybe him and Chewie wore the capes for a bit. <laughs> they, they just... We'll have to wait and see in Solo again. Solo 2. <laughs> Solo 2. Solo harder. Yeah, but the Battle for Endor, the, the fighter stuff is really cool. Um, a lot of people die. The Death Star is just taking pot shots at ships. Um, I'm sure they could fly very slowly away until they run out of fuel, though. That would work. That's why the Star Destroyers are there, to stop them doing that. Yeah, no complaints about that part. That's the So the two slices in this film I like are the uh, Luke and Vader stuff and the, the space battle. Everything else I don't like. I don't think I'm quite as harsh a critic, but I agree that those are the best bits. Yeah. Um, even though it is a lot of like Lando just sitting there talking to someone that doesn't speak English and then just sort of agreeing with them. Which is quite <laughs> funny. Just, you know, he says stuff and he's like, yeah, you said it. <laughs> like, so glad you brought that up. Although he survives to the Abrams trilogy, doesn't he? Yeah, and it's the original actor. Is it? Yeah. Oh, good. So, <laughs> Just, so you know, you need to you need to know it's the same guy in the suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you probably yeah, he probably gets a lot of work at conventions. As that guy, I've I've said a lot in Star Wars, but none of it was in English. No one understood a word I said, except Lando. Oh, the little, the, the like, the, the, the sort of toad guy. His co-pilot. Nine, um. <laughs> yeah, his co-pilot. You notice how, it, I wonder who's manning the guns, though, because it's been established that the, uh, the guns need to be manually operated. I mean, you can have just, uh, some rebels, I guess. <laughs> A couple of rebels just sitting there in those guns. Well, Lando just flies around. Yeah, you can... You can easily just... Yeah, get a couple of guys in just to... You know, be the... You know, it's, it's supposed to be crude, after all. It's supposed to have, like, a gang of people on it, I think. Isn't it? Yeah, it's supposed to be, like, a... A big ship. So they've got space to... Yeah, it's a, well, it's a freighter, isn't it? Yeah, they've got space yeah. to fit a... A few guys in there. I'm mostly going off the Lego model. I know that's pretty big, quite a like, like a fair few little Lego guys in there. So I'm guessing the, the Star Wars counterpart can fit. Or you can fit the entire resistance in it at the end of the You can fit the entire resistance in it. <laughs> well, yeah, depends how big your resistance is. <laughs> I'm sure they couldn't fit the entire Rebel Alliance in there because it's quite a lot of ships. Big guys, medical frigate, for example, that was that was insane. Um, I love the variety of ships for the the rebel, like the rebel fleet. Even though they are, they do seem to be largely support based. They seem to be quite useless, like in combat themselves. They do bring on a whole load of extra races, whereas it was like mainly humans to begin with. But then all the aliens must have thought, right, 
let's pile on in here. We're rebelling as well. Still only two women. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> it was Mothma. the 80s. Yeah, Mon Mothma with our famous many boffins died to bring us this information. What the hell is a boffin? All the bottoms died. We'll never find out what they are. Every bottom died, doesn't matter. Many bottoms. And if they're like, so if they're a species of spies, then why are they spies? Because surely everyone knows that they're spies because they're bottoms. Maybe the most trustworthy race ever. It's like, oh, it's not fine, it's a bottom. Yeah. It lit like. Literally, they don't know how to lie. It's fine. <laughs> and it's like, they have to have special training and everything so the Empire can't tell that they're... Yeah. If captured, yeah. immediate cyanide capsule. <laughs> but bring us this information, somehow. They, um, I mean, I, talk, I put in the agenda about like closure for characters. I don't think Lando gets anything, like any kind of character development in this at all. He just kind of sits in the Millennium Falcon and then says stuff. Has faith in Han getting the shield down. So he does. It's like, no, we're staying because Han will do it. And it's like, guys, we've lost like half our fleet. Can we just leave? It's like, no, no, we'll be fine. Just fly yeah, I suppose. <laughs> he's only, I mean, he's introduced, you know, kind of halfway through the saga. He's a supporting character. He, he he does what he needs to do, and then kind of shows up to shows up for the victory party at the end, which yeah. you know isn't a bad way to be. I'd quite like to show up halfway through, double cross my old friend, but then triple cross the empire and win. Pretty good, and then blow up their Death Star. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Wedge helps though. Only only get nearly strangled by a Wookiee, but you know. <laughs> It's all worth it. It's all nearly strangled, yeah. Yeah. It looks like for uh, Sean of the Skywalker, it'll be the Lando and Chewie show in the Falcon. Even though did we say that when we were when we were coming up with titles, did we did we say the Skywalking Dead? Yeah, we did not. Damn uh, it! I'm sure <laughs> someone had said that when we were talking about zombies. Skywalking Dead. That's a good one. Yeah. Oh, well, that'll be the title of the um, episode nine podcast when we do it. Okay, we'll have to think of some organic way of getting that in there. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have a few months. Okay. Okay. Yeah, nearly half a year, so we're okay. Plenty of time. I'll write the script. <laughs> write the script for the podcast. Yeah. Yes, this is all scripted, which is even worse than when we think about it. Um. Han and Leia get a bit of closure, I guess. I mean, they, they get together. They sort of... They decide to get together. That's closure in itself. They do, and, uh, you know, get to hang out in a treehouse. That's quite good. Yeah. Leia gets to solve her daddy issues without ever speaking to her daddy. So, that's fun. But how was your... Yeah. Um, so, how about our father, Luke? That's why, yeah, I killed him. Uh, we're about to burn him, though. You can... <laughs> Don't worry about him. It's all taken care of. It's, it's Barbecue? Just yeah, yeah, it's just hilarious when the uh, um, when the Death Star's about to blow up, the alarm's going off, and Luke's just dragging Vader around. Where you've got like Imperial stormtroopers and officers just running around, just <laughs> not paying attention. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't go near the guy that was dragging Darth Vader around. 
That yeah, they're like the guys that kind of turn the other way when Kylo Ren's smashing the place up. Like, uh, let's, yeah. just, let's just leave it. <laughs> let's go the long way around. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just dragging Vader around the Death Star. It's really funny. So where would you say this sits in the, the pantheon of Star Wars movies? It's definitely the third best for me. I mean, I'm not really placing the new trilogy yet. I think Last Jedi would be pretty high on my list, but... Um, Certainly, out of the, we'll say the original six. This is this is definitely in third position. Uh, after, well, it goes Empire, then New Hope, then this, for me. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I find it I find it's difficult to 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 place the new ones, the Disney era. I'm still trying to kind of see how it all fits together and. Because they're because definitely Force Awakens, I like it more than you do, Craig. But um, because it's so much of a, you might say, rip off, reboot, uh, rehash. It rehash, yes. <laughs> it it um, borrows so heavily from the original trilogy that I find it very difficult to place it because it it, it plays on nostalgia so much, and I always go on about how much nostalgia. Um, colors how i view these films so i liked it because of that but because because i recognize that without the originals then it couldn't be what it is so it's yeah. i can't say that it's um better than them or even really place it amongst the original trilogy uh i have listened to probably about 940 something episodes of star wars minute where they quite often do uh they, they ask their guests to rank the all of the star wars movies so the Original trilogy, prequel trilogy, the and every all the Disney films, and whenever people put Jedi, uh, Return of the Jedi first, it seems to be because they were exactly the right age. You know, like that was the first Star Wars movie that they saw in cinemas, and that they were you know young enough to kind of overlook a lot of the stuff that we now critically look down on. Yeah, uh, but you know, it was it hit them right in the sweet spot and you know Ewoks did it for them weird aliens in Jabba's palace did it for them being scared of Vader and Palpatine did it for them and I think that people who who really love Return of the Jedi were probably are of that similar kind of age so either saw it in the cinema first or you know maybe they had it on DVD or video or something when they were younger and it was their favorite one that they put on all the time I think for the same reason it's it is fun. It's it's fun to revisit, and even though I can recognise that it it doesn't, maybe not quite as good, whatever we want to say, you know, compared to Star Wars and Empire, because I enjoy the trilogy so much, I can't enjoy the the finale to the trilogy without watching Jedi and without having that kind of crazy Ewok battle on the forest moon and. <laughs> And you know everything that everything else that comes with it, and and gives you that kind of uh, gives you the end of Luke's saga. Yeah, I mean the the Luke stuff is. I don't think you could get any better. It does have the best lightsaber battle of the the trilogy. Um, you know where Luke's just swinging it about like a club, just haphazardly, just yeah, you know, beating Vader with it basically. I think this was at the point where lightsabers were still heavy. Like they were supposed to have a lot of weight behind them until they mm-hmm. realised, you know, we can flip about and, you know, do a bit of sword play with them in the in the prequel trilogy. And I mean that that's valid in itself. And I think that 
they could have explained that way. You have different weight classes of lightsabers. So like, but when Anakin is using his, you know, the lightsaber that Luke had before this point, um, that really should be heavy because it was heavy before. Um, it's kind of heavy in the new trilogy again, kind mm-hmm. of. Um, there's some weight behind it, but yeah, they're just little, yeah, they're weightless sticks essentially in, in later stuff slash earlier stuff. Um, but I love Luke's green lightsaber in this. This is a, that's the coolest one. Yeah. Like, um, even the handle just looks really cool. Just I don't know, it just looks a lot sleeker and everything else. And I guess this was back in the time where it denoted a rank within the Jedi, what color lightsaber you had. Whereas not so much now. Well, I I just think it was cool because you know he came back and he was like emo before emo, <laughs> going all black <laughs> and uh, and I guess that was to to make you think that he was, you know, is he, is he, um, being seduced by the dark side yeah. and he, and he makes this new lightsaber and before we'd only seen blue and red and then it's this green and you don't even know what to think of that. Like, you know, yeah. what does this mean? Um, but yeah, it was like when, when there wasn't much variety, even yeah. having one slight change made something really exotic and you're like, Oh, this is totally it's different. It's all because they needed to show it against the blue sky. That's why they changed the colour, apparently. <laughs> Otherwise, it wouldn't have shown up against the Tatooine skyline. There you go. <sighs> Necessity is a mother of invention. There must well, be comics, right, where there was like different coloured lightsabers as well. and Even the poster has like different coloured ones. Everything looked that same shade of green in the Game Boy game. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you were playing on a Game Boy Pocket or Colour. Yeah, well, I wasn't. This was this was super Return of the Jedi, which was probably like a, a massive downgrade from the SNES game, in which you would have been able to see the color. But this is the one I played the most. So, yeah, everything was just like either like that dark green or that slightly lighter green. The SNES game is solid though. Yeah, really difficult. Really good, but really hard. Good game. Yeah, uh, Isaac, what do you think of this one in sort of relation to? The others in the trilogy. You already said this is kind of your favourite, so how would you rank the other two? So my favourite's Force Awakens. No, no, I just mean the original trilogy. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm trying to go through, like, in my head. <laughs> Alright. Because I also like, I do like a few of the pre, I like the f- Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. So I don't know what to- I reckon, yeah, it's the best of the original trilogy, but in terms of just the, you know, the non-Star Wars stories ones, I don't know. I don't remember these films very well at all. So I'm going to probably put this one as the best one, however, of the original trilogy. And then you probably get like, I couldn't tell you anything about A New Hope. So that's probably the weakest one. And then, yeah, I guess you just increase. You go in with a four, five, six order. But in the grand scheme of Star Wars things, I think like they're sort of in the bottom rung. <laughs> So, so you think that A New Hope, aka Star Wars, is the the worst one of all of them? I think Phantom Menace is worse than New Hope, but okay, I'd probably put <laughs> I'd put Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith higher than A New Hope. I'd probably go, but I'm going to go through all of them just so it's easiest. <laughs> all of them, but yeah, the bottom is a Phantom Menace, New Hope. Probably 
Last Jedi, I think, because I, I keep sort of swinging on that one. Uh, Avengers of Sith, Empire Strikes Back, Attack of the Clones. No. I've lost track. <laughs> Whatever. The important thing is, yeah, this is the best of the original three. However, in the long run, the, the original trilogy doesn't, I don't remember it very well, so I'm not a very good judge when it comes to these films. Fascinating. Yeah. Um, you can always count on Isaac to be against the green. <laughs> <laughs> Just far against the green. So, that is us at the end, I think. Um, Isaac, do you have any final thoughts on Return of the Jedi? Um, nope. <laughs> nope, sorry. I was trying to think of something like to end it on, like a, a nice sort of comment. I do like the green, green lightsabers are my favourite colour of lightsaber. Fair one. That's my big, big finale moment. Yep. Angus, any final musings? Uh, yeah, just more of more of the same, really. It's a uh, load of fun. Um, it it caps off the original trilogy. I think it's definitely flawed in in ways that we've discussed, but I can't I can't uh, let those kind of bring me down at all because I just love the trilogy so much that that I would enjoy watching all of them. And it, you know, it's. It, it's an, a great ending to a great trilogy. Um, and I, I'm not kind of too upset by where the, the saga went after that, you know, with the force awakens and what happens to the, our beloved characters. I can, I can kind of, um, separate it enough that I think, you know, this is the end of one story and I think it's a great ending. Uh, I don't have to, I don't have to worry too much that it does continue several years later and uh, maybe things didn't turn out quite so well. You know, I can still think of this as, as a happy ending. Fair enough. Um, my final thoughts are, yeah, I enjoy parts of it. I think parts of it are, are the best that the franchise has to offer. I also think parts of it are among the worst the franchise has to offer. So it's very much a mixed bag. Uh, I do still enjoy it. I do love these characters. I think it's good as a swan song to certainly Luke Skywalker, although it's not a swan song to Luke Skywalker. But, you know, it could be. If that's where you want to leave your Luke Skywalker, that's fine. That's where he ends, you know, when uh, you can imagine that he creates this Jedi Order that's, like, perfect and amazing and, and the galaxy is at peace again for the rest of time. Um, if that's how you want to consider it, then that's fine. Uh, some people don't want to acknowledge the, the new films and Maybe I'll be one of those later on, but that depends on how the Skywalking Dead goes. <laughs> um, who knows? Get that going. <laughs> That's it. We'll we'll get that. We'll get that um, going. Disney is just parading around the corpse of Star Wars, trying to get money out of it. It works. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's fine. I think yeah, it's. Empire will always be my favourite. I think I think it's just such a very very good film. But yeah, this is okay. It's parts of it I like, parts of it I don't. Parts of it I feel like I'm suffering through. Better parts. <laughs> you know, it's like it's cut away from bears. I want to see Luke looking out the window. You know, at this uh, this <laughs> gif that he keeps looking at of the thing being destroyed. It's like nothing's happening. It's 
So like, oh look, there's a light that we saw earlier. It's fine. Just Palpatine sitting there with his like, it's like speed. You know, he's got his, he's got his VCR hooked up to the window, just repeating the same image over <laughs> and over again. Could work. It's just it's all part of his plan. But yeah, uh, I will leave on um, wishing everyone uh, a happy Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you all. And also with you. Yep, may the 4th be with all of us. Amen. So that was our discussion of Return of the Jedi. A special thanks to YouTuber Ian Wright for his cover of the Star Wars theme and YouTuber Pudgenet for his cover of Yubnub. If you like what you heard, then hit that subscribe button on iTunes, YouTube, or any major podcasting app. iTunes users, please do leave us a rating and comment. You can also find us on Spotify. If you want to discuss Star Wars or anything else, then hit us up on Facebook or Twitter under Neil Before Blog, or leave a comment under neilbeforeblog.co.uk. A happy May the 4th to you all, and we hope you'll join us on the next Neil Before Pod. You chop the glow up. You glow up each in the food. I do the agunda. Go to chop to do. Yup, no. Go to chop to do. Yawa. Go to chop to do. Yap cha. Hallelujah to know. Hallelujah to know. Hallelujah to know. Up the glow up, the glow up, each in the food, a duty agunda. Go to chat to goo, yap, no, go to chat to do, yawa, go to chat to do.